Um, I better go see Lexi. Because she's coming. Okay. So yeah, the the Bible isn't written to me, but the Bible is written for me, for us, for the reader, for the benefit of my personal situation and circumstances. So... For for that example, I was talking about like <clears throat> women don't speak in church, women wear head coverings, men don't shave your beard, men don't grow long hair, stuff that like those things aren't sins. So God's not saying not saying that. It's talking about that specific church in their circumstances in that time in which culturally relevant. In our culture when you see someone who's married, how can you tell that they're married? They got a ring. In other cultures, they have he- head coverings. In in uh, in uh, oh, where is it? Eastern countries, they have the full-on head covering, face covering, everything. That's how you know that they're married, right? Mennonite culture, you got a dirkon. That's not relevant to me because I have this, and that face coverings are not relevant to me because what? So it depends on the the place that you're at and what's culturally relevant. So that's what he's talking about. So you can translate that when you know it. It's like, oh, he's talking about like showing the relevancy of being married for head coverings, for example. So that's why it's good to good to know those things that Steph was talking about the context and how it's relevant now how it was relevant then and what it's teaching me about it so we, those type of things you don't have to take uh, take it you, at face value you know that, that's not saying you, you have to do that that's saying exactly what I just said so. does that make sense? does anyone have yeah. questions about that? because and again, like I see all the time, it hap- happens to me all the time, and i just trying to push through all the time. I, I read some scripture, and then I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And then I go and search it in different books or, or online in different places, and the answer is in the next verse. <laughs> just kept reading a little bit more, <laughs> or just like the rest of the story, because we have to realize, too, like the Bible, when it was put together... There's no verses and chapters and whatever. They're just a bunch of letters put together in a book. They put the the titles and the the numbers and chapters in there to make it easier to to find. That's it. So they're just letters, bunch of personal letters, two people from a person. So that's how like you would never just read the middle of a book and think you'd be confused, right? Or just one chapter or just one verse. And some Christians seem to be okay with that. And that's why I got a lot of questions. Well, what about this verse? What about that? What about it? Like read the next 10. And you figure out he's talking to this guy about that in that place. So it just, it really helps. And the more I've learned that too, the more I just continue to read. <coughs> to con- continue to read. If you get stuck on one verse... Mark it down or keep it in your mind. Read the rest of it and then go back. See if that question hasn't been answered already. Like it's a, it's, the Bible is actually pretty clear and simple. 
we just make it really complicated because the whole chapter verse thing is kind of messes messes us up and there's a verse of the day and everyone's got their favorite verse and whatever so there has to be context behind it like why the bible says that we're not men don't shave your beards oh my goodness am i sinning now because god said don't shave your beard no it's he's talking to a specific person <laughs> <laughs> or a specific group of people because something happened. So, yeah. Just wanted to start that off a little bit. So, does that make sense to anyone? Does anyone have any questions about that whatsoever? Like, has anyone got stuck on any other questions before we get started? Well, that goes, um, all this you just explained, that was exactly with, um, like, the head covering... A lot of people get so um, hung up on that yeah. because the Bible says you have to have your head covered, whatever. But that's basically where they stop. They don't read the rest what it says. Yeah, that, like that falls under the same. Like only a few verses down. Yeah, it says women have hair for a head covering. Yeah. So I'm like, it's not evil to do it it's not evil not to do it it's a preference but that was has nothing to do with sinning or whatever certain people too yeah what paul was speaking to the current yeah people because they were living in sin but like you said that i don't have to wear it <laughs> yeah we're free right so does anyone else have can anyone else think of anything like in the mennonite culture what's another thing that people have like that for example. Today we learned about like, you know, the um, women must obey their their husbands or whatever in yep. that verse. And then we kind of learned like the other verses around there. Like there's a bunch of verses saying like the men need to um, submit or like the, the couple should submit to each other. Yeah. So it's like right there, it's like they both should be submitting to each other, not yeah. just one to the other. A lot of people confuse that they always say oh that's just a woman yeah and that's so not true that's yeah i always think a lot of like colony yep they really stuck to that yeah because a lot of people think being a man that means that was called wearing the pants you're above. (laughs) Your man's up here, right? Yeah. The free has to do everything what the Mm -hmm. man like. Yep. And they have South China Mino. Yeah. She's under the man's control. So many people have yeah. so long. That's like, can you just think of it? If the devil has has put that in someone's mind, and that, that same scripture that we're talking about, in the same chapter, it says, like, men, you're, you are to love your wives. <laughs> and... And, like, it talks about what men are supposed to do and women, like, constantly, the whole thing. But people just pick that verse and make a doctrine out of it. And if the devil wants to divide us and separate us and stuff, that's what he'll do, right? He'll, he'll pick, pick out that one thing. The one thing that, oh, man, now God says that men can have authority over their women, right? Now that, oh, now if I just read that and just tell everyone that, then that creates a stronghold in their mind. And then that's going to be permanent. Like, God says it. You can't tell me a different. That's what God says. 
you can't say anything that that's wrong. God says that's where it is. That's why for me it's so important to, uh, like, to have, like this, a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be with other Christians. So yeah. we can learn, so we can hear more. Because yeah. I always, uh, you know, I read that. The three of Samuel and Almana and all of them said that. Okay, because I, and all of Okay, and don't don't me bloss, okay. Uh it's corny here I send but the Bible's are like all is okay, I must be right. Okay, thank you for the Bible you're losing. We learned about that today. And um when I camp my China mansion told like I get uh make me in the bird, but that's you were losing. This is what I need to do so important when I just need to stand. And study the word. So true. Yeah, it says that, well, I'm saying, if the guy does it right, the lady, whether the girl would gladly sing it to her husband, the husband would be like Christ. Yeah. If we actually walk in love the way the Bible says to walk in love, like if I love Steph, my wife, like the Bible says, that I can love her like Jesus loved. <laughs> she will love me back the same. Like you can't help it. If someone is always for you, always for you, has the best for you, doesn't think about themselves, you're first in everything, your priority is first, I love you, I want to fulfill your needs and your wants and everything, and not even think of myself ever then that person receiving all that is so happy and overjoyed and in love, they can't help but do the same. That's how we're called to live. Not like marriage is 50-50. You do half and I do half. You do this part and I'll do this part. And that's the way it is. And if you don't do your part, oh, then I got something against you and you haven't, you haven't fulfilled your obligation as a husband or a wife. That's not love. That's selfish. You know? It's crazy how like the enemy has flipped that over. So crazy. He wants to bring division and bring... But just yeah. what you were saying, is that in Mexico... I don't like to say it, but it is really open here. Just you are, and I really work on that. They press that on everybody. I really think it's in Mexico, but even way more than this year. Yes. And, and totally the women don't even know that that is so true. They don't have to live that way. No. They think that's their it, that's what it, they have. It's a modern yeah, exactly. Like Hindus, really ne- never really anybody speaking oh, of that. They have nobody to go to. No, exactly, nobody. And if they do, because I can't find from I think I can't find from Auntie they on bed and on like an elder. Instead of any help, they're pressing yeah. down. Yeah, there is no help. Exactly. Don't mind a little bit. I don't want to talk to them anymore about it because. Yeah. Exactly. That's really sad. That's for. That's the big strategy of the enemy to do that, and not just in that, but in everything. For example, what's like, uh, like if you, if you're praying for someone, 
to, to be healed, for example. Pray for this person and they don't get healed. What I've heard in the past is like, oh, you should have had more faith. You should have more faith or it's your fault. Your fault. You must open a door or you have hidden sin or something like that. Blaming it on that person. But God says, signs and wonders follow those who believe. So they should be saying, you're the believer. Why don't you believe? Like, it's my fault, not your fault. It's always putting it on the other person, making fault. Someone, it's someone else's fault except for mine, right? What did Adam say in the garden when he sinned? That woman that you gave me, if it wasn't for her, what did Eve say? It was the devil did it. He made me do it. Always blaming someone else. That's just... Right from the start. Always. That first, that portion of scripture you could teach on forever. Just everything that... That's sin. It's like the Bible says in a lot of places... Um, oh, what did it say? It talks about like the sin. Or like original sin and that's what it was like in in the in genesis like the first time that sin happened but yeah is that good i was just uh just wanted to talk about that a little bit to address this question from anna um all right if we want to turn in our bibles to revelation Chapter 12, verse 11. So does everyone know it's Revelation, not Revelations? So as John wrote this book, the Apostle John, does everyone know that? Mm -hmm. So do you know where he wrote this book? No. Wasn't in prison. Oh, I didn't know oh. it. <laughs> on an island, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot where he was born. It's the island of Patmos. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he, this is, he got, the island of Patmos was an island where like all the like horrible sinners and murderers and everything they put there to die. There's brought on this island and you're dead. Like, that's, that's your last days you're spending on this island. So this is where John is and this is, they couldn't kill him, so they tried to boil him in oil. They boiled his whole body in oil, and he didn't die. Like, that's crazy. Has everyone ever got, like, cooking bacon and, like, it, like, splats your arm? Like, doesn't that hurt like crazy? Yeah. They boiled him in oil. He didn't die. So they shipped him off to this, this murder isle or island or whatever, Patmos. And then God gave him this vision in Revelation. Okay. Revelation 12, verse 11. Chapter 12, verse 11. I'm just going to read that out. It says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not live their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Does anyone else have a different version? Than NLT? I'm going to read that in... NLT? NLT, yeah. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, that's what I just read. Oh. 
I'll read it in the Amplified. It says, And they have overcome and conquered him by the means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to their life even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap until they had to die for their witnessing. That's Amplified. So he's talking about, uh, and they have overcome him. Know who him is? He's talking about the devil. Right? And this whole whole chapter, well, the whole book is sprinkled in there about the about the devil so this is how we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb so what jesus has done he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world his blood was the sacrifice for us so that we're no longer slaves to sin and slave to the devil now we can be sons of god okay and by the utterance of our testimony by us sharing our testimony what God has done. When we speak, when we proclaim God's goodness, that's overcoming. You're overcoming, right? <coughs> and the last part that I feel like a lot, the church has left out for a long time, is that you don't cling to your life even when faced with death. So this is kind of what we're talking about today is that we need to die to live. Has there, anyone ever heard that? Does anyone understand? Does anyone want to take a stab at it, what that means? What, what, what did you say? You have to die to live. Well, when you're, when you're born again, you die to yourself. And in order to live... You accept Jesus and then... So what does that mean? Dying to self. Dying to self, that means... Um, okay, how do I explain that? What do you say? You okay. So how, how do we do that practically? Day to day. How do you die to yourself? He's not talking about like killing yourself, no. killing your body, right? So what is he talking about? I think he's like talking about like, not, yeah, don't give into your fleshly desires and do God's will and yeah. your old way in the past. Yeah, that's good. It's exactly that. There's one more, isn't it? What? You gotta die to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to die once to live. Yeah. What are you saying in the kitchen there? Everyone's got to die. Everyone's got to live. Be born. We got to be born twice. Yeah. And you have to die to live. Yeah. So we all have to be born twice. Does anyone know that? That's part of Will's question that he asked on WhatsApp. So we have to be born twice. We have to be born from our mom. Right? And then when we come to the revelation of Jesus, you're born again. That's crazy. What was that scripture that... Do you remember the scripture that it was that you were talking about? Um, John something. Yeah, it's John 3, 16. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. So John three is talking about Nicodemus. Yes. Right. Has has by show of hands has anyone seen the chosen videos? Okay. So that whole series, it's a it's a series of like awesome, amazing videos. You should all watch them. It's just like a story about Jesus. And the second season's coming out any day now. We should all watch it one day. But anyways, it had one of the main themes in that that story is about Nicodemus. So he was a like very famous Pharisee, right? And it talks about him in the Bible. Uh just a little bit through the gospels. And this is one one point. Like he went to meet with Jesus late at night. And Jesus is talking about this this issue. And I'll I'll just read it out here. I'll start from verse one. Uh, John three verse one. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader in an authority among the Jews. So again if we look at context, this is one guy, a Pharisee, he was a leader, he is a Jew, okay, who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, these wonder works and these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do, unless God is with him. I, I'm reading through the Amplified Classic, so it'll probably be longer than yours. Uh, Jesus answered him, I assure you most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, anew from above, he cannot even see or know or be acquainted with the experience of the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? He's like, What the heck are you talking about? Right? And Jesus answered him, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. So you have to be born of water and the spirit. He's talking very plainly there. Say, Next verse says, What is born from the flesh is flesh. Of physical is physical, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. So we're born in the flesh, that's this, and the spirit is in here. It's all around here, right? So we gotta be born twice. And what I'm talking about today is we have to die twice as well. Before you're born again, you have to die. And I'm going to read through a bunch of scriptures here. You don't have to follow through. If you want to, you can. Um, that's the one we just, just read. Uh, if you want to overcome, it's by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and you don't live your life even to death. Or you don't love your life so much that you wouldn't die for Jesus, you know? Um, in Galatians 2.20, says, I am crucified with Christ. Doesn't that sound like you're dead? Right? If you're crucified, you're dead. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, if you want to overcome, you got to die. And we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What does that mean? If you're dead, how can you live? So like when we, when we die, or sorry, when, when we're alive, 
and we don't know Jesus, we're living for ourselves, right? Everyone in the world who doesn't know God, they're living for themselves. It's just by default. It's all about me, me first. I got to take care of me before anyone else. Like, look out for number one. That's what every, everyone is. Everyone is in the same boat. And then when you get saved, what happens? That person who is for himself or herself dies. Because you can't have love and selfishness together. It's impossible. You can't. Because love is always for the other person first. All the time. Never once is there. Just look at Jesus' life. He did everything for everyone else. He gave up his own life when he was the son of God. And even he said himself, don't you know that I can call? I can just ask God and he can get thousands of angels here to to pick us up at any moment. He could have done that. But he's like, if I do that, then everyone's lost. Right? He was not thinking about himself or else he wouldn't have gone through all that torture and beating and death. All right. And uh, another scripture in Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. It says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So denying himself means denying the selfish, sinful self. Okay? That person is dead. He said that before, right? If this was me and I'm saved now, and like this is, pretend this water bottle here is a human being. <laughs> and if he's died to himself, if he's dead, would, does he care about this that I'm stepping on? Does he care if I call him names? What's a dead person care about? Nothing. How about if I like lit him on fire? Is he going to complain? What if I just, for years and years, just, just, just was like, Passive aggressive to him, just like always, oh, like, oh yeah, you're that, that that guy. He's not very good, or he's he's ugly. He's stupid. He's not gonna care. He's dead. They have zero reaction. That was Jesus all the time. Jesus never reacted. Exactly what that Andrew was talking about this week too. He says so much they criticize him. I don't care. Because, you know why? Because that old, that person that dies, that person was never us. God created us from the foundation of the world. Before he knew about us and thought about us, our beginning and our middle and our end, before we were born, before the creation of the world, he knew us all. He has more thoughts for us individually than all the grains of sand in the world and all the stars in the sky. Like, he's been thinking about us before we were created. And he knows what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen and why it's going to happen and all that stuff. And he knows because he's love, 1 Corinthians 13 said, love seeks, seeks others first. 
Like, love is always, always for the other person. Always for the other person. Believes the best in every person in every occasion. Regardless of, I'm sinning like crazy. God's like, that's the guy that I want. He doesn't see who he is. He doesn't see that he's his son. He doesn't see that he's my son. That I created him to worship me. And that's the best way that he can live. Because I can take care of him and, and give him all the stuff that who he actually is wants. Like when I got saved, all my wants and stuff changed. Because before I was just looking to sin and I wanted to sin and it was all about me and gratify what I want and my feelings and wanted money and power and influence and whatever, right? And after I got saved, I'm like, I just want to love people. I just wanted to be a different person. I wanted to be who I always felt like I could be inside but never had the power to and never seen anyone else living, made up excuses why I couldn't do it, you know? So, yeah, Jesus said, I'm just going to read it again. Jesus said unto the disciples, if any man will come after me. So if you want to come after Jesus, let him die to himself and take up his cross. If you just picture Jesus, he died to his, his self-life, his selfish life, which Jesus never really had. He was born of the Spirit right away, right? So the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Jesus was born of the Spirit right away. His dad was God, the Holy Spirit, right? Um... And follow me, for who, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Uh, and then another scripture in Galatians 5, 24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, and with its passions and appetites and desires. So that's, that's pretty clear right there. The flesh is the godless human nature. And we know in uh, Colossians 2.11, what does it say? You have been crucified with... No, um, it says you've been circumcised, but not of the flesh. It's the cutting away of your sinful nature. That's Colossians 2.11. So when we're saved, that sinful nature, this, this flesh, the godless human nature, has been crucified. It's dead. So we no longer are identified... By that old nature. That's not who we are. Before it was exactly who we are. That nature was us. But now our nature is holy and blameless. Sons and daughters of God. Without sin. God looks at us like Jesus. We're exactly like him because he covered up everything that we that we are living like. We weren't even, that wasn't even us. When we die to ourselves, we're not giving up anything valuable. Like when we die and come to Jesus, we're giving away that old life. At the time, it might seem like, oh, I'm giving up my friends or maybe a job or, I don't know, a boyfriend or girlfriend or something that seems important. But a little ways down the road, you'll see, well, that was never actually me. That wasn't me. That was just me looking out of that old lens of, how I used to live was just all about me and I want these things or whatever.
one more scripture in Luke 9, 23. It says, And he said to all, If any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, and disown himself, forget and lose sight of himself in his own interests, refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be in dying also. He's talking a lot. Like, this is only like one, two, three, four, five scriptures. Like, I was going through the, <laughs> through all these, but I'm like, there's like an hour of just scriptures talking about dying in, in the New Testament alone. And does anyone know, does everyone know how, or dad, maybe you know this. Does anyone know how a seed grows? What, what happens? Dies first. Yeah, how, how does the seed form? What, what does it do? For, from the beginning, how do you plant? You grab a seed, and what do you do? Just put it in. You can give it water, but God makes it grow. Yeah, so you, you just tell me, what happens to tobacco plant, right? What's the steps? Well, don't need to say what to do to it all now, but, it, well, yeah. No, but, if like... they collect the seed... No, that's not what you mean. Yeah, yeah, just, just let them talk. They, they collect the seed from, uh, from the plant, and that's really so fine, and you send it away... And they put clay around it, yes, so we can seed it in the machine. And then plant it in the greenhouse. We put, planted it in this week already. In two months, then they're ready to go in the field. By October, then it's all done. But I always look at the, the seed. We put it in there, we can give it water. But other than that, we have no idea how it grows. That's God, God's job. We, we, I, I can't do nothing about it. So how about like the, you start out a seed, right? Yeah. Where does it go from there? In a day, what happens in a day? It just starts to swallow. That's what happens after a week? Then it starts to sprout. Starts growing. Yeah. Okay. Roots to the bottom and to the top. What happens after four weeks? Or ten weeks? And... Uh, it gets a In little... four, four weeks, yeah, you start clipping them a lot. So they get leaves. To get strong plants. Yeah, so they Clip got the leaves. the leaves off so just the stem will grow thick. Okay. And so the stem grows, and then leaves come. Yeah. And then it grows taller, and then the top comes out. Yeah. And then the leaves grow bigger, and you prep the plant wherever to, to make it grow, and then it ripens, and then you harvest, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's good. I just wanted to go through that to, and then read, read out this scripture. If we want to go to John 12, verse 24 to 26. I've been starting to read in the Amplified Bible again. I always read in this version. I'm just loving it, so I'm just going to read out of this. <laughs> 24, 6. John 12. Verse 24 to 26. It says that, uh, yeah, so if you want to follow along the same one, you don't have to. It's Amplified Classic, so AMPC version. It says, I assure you most solemnly, 
I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it. But anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Whoever has no love for and no concern for and no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. If anyone serves me, he must continue to follow me, to cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying. And wherever I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain and it never becomes more. It lives by itself. So the scripture, he's talking, what's he talking about? Is he just talking about seeds and talking to farmers here? No. So what's a seed? What's he talking about? A person. A person. So this is me. This is talking to me, about me. Like this is everybody. Everyone's a seed. So if we die, if we, what does it say? Unless a grain of wheat dies, it falls to earth and, and dies. It re, unless it dies, it just remains by itself. And it never produces anything. It just stays the same. Right? So, you don't do nothing with the word. If you if you don't die to yourself, yes. you will be you, and it's all about you, and you can't affect anyone else because it's all about you, right? It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest, right? So anyone who loves his life loses it. But anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to keep it to life eternal. So what does that mean? No. You're supposed to hate your, you're supposed to hate yourself. So remember, we're talking about the two lives. Remember, we're talking about this old selfish life, the guy that kicks you can kick around, and then your new life, who you actually are. So when it's talking about negative things here, uh, anyone who loses his life, oh, sorry, anyone who loves his life loses it. So anyone who loves that life that's all about me and that selfish life will lose their real life. They will lose that opportunity. That's everyone who, who doesn't know Jesus. That's everyone. They're loving their own life, so they lose the real life that they can have. Okay? But anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. So if, you're hate, if you hate that old life, that selfish life, and get rid of that life and kill that life, then you will have eternal life. Because eternal life is about everyone. It's not focusing on me. It's not selfish. It's loving ridiculously for everyone else, just like Jesus, up until the point of death. The NLT says, those who love their lives in the world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their lives in this world will keep it for eternity. 
So does everyone get that? Like how? Yeah. So it's not talking about hating yourself. It's talking about hating that old selfish life that we used to live. And we don't have to live like that anymore. It's, we're no longer under the power of that life. We actually have the choice to not live like that. Every single moment of every single day. All the time. Paul says that he dies daily. Has everyone, anyone heard that before? Mm-hmm. He said, I die daily. What does that mean? He's not killing himself every day. I guess he reminds himself what it used to be, right? Yeah, then when that thing rises up, like, oh, he's getting beat and he's in prison. Mm -hmm. He's like, should I complain? Should I grumble? Should I just be like, oh, I had it better back then when I wasn't getting beaten and thrown in prison? No, or like that selfish life. You just think about that. Selfish life. Selfishness. Sin is selfishness. Okay? Totally. You will never have done any kind of sin that wasn't at the root selfish. For yourself, for your benefit. All about you. Like, yeah. That's, that's what he's talking about. We're dying to that guy. To that girl. Whoever it was. So anyone who loves his life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Whoever has no love and no concern and no regard for his life here on earth but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. If anyone serves me, he must continue to follow me, to cleave steadfastly to me and conform wholly to my example. I love that part there. It says conform wholly to my, my example, like completely. That's the word holy with a W. Okay? Completely to my example. like That's a big part. All the way. Not just the part. Don't just be a little bit like Jesus in some areas of your life. Or whatever. It's every part. The whole thing. That makes a humongous difference. Like that is the difference. That word. And if need be in dying. So if you have to die, die. If your flesh and your body has to die, then die. But stay with God. Right? This country and where we're at, this is easy to live as a Christian. No one here is coming to kill you if you say you're a Christian. You go to other, other countries? Not yet. Who knows how long it will Regardless, now it isn't. It's, as far as I know, it's never been. Like, it's so easy. And there's no persecution here, but you getting made fun of at work or whatever. Like, that's peanuts. You look at the Bible but other countries anywhere when I was talking about Mexico like there if you believe in Jesus you believe in Jesus in certain certain uh, Muslim countries your family disowns you right there and they put a your family puts a ransom out for your head to kill you I'll pay people if you kill this person who is my son or my daughter because they believe a different thing than I believe now like it's crazy and they know that when they receive Jesus. And they do it anyways. Like, that's what he's talking about. If you, need, if you need to die, then die. But at least you'll have real life. It's like people who just live in a 
with a mask on their whole life. You never see the real person. You just see it just surface all the time. You never hear what's going on inside of them, the deepness of that person. It's just, oh, yeah, it's going. Oh, it's good. Life's good. Oh, it's just, just work. Just, just doing whatever, you know. Just, just getting by. Well, thank God it's Friday, you know. Whatever, just, you never know anything about the person. It's always just surface stuff that anyone could find out. But inside, they'd be like, man, my, I hate myself. I, for whatever reason. So many things could be going on. You never know. So in verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must continue to follow me. Oh, sorry. Uh, I read that already. If need be in dying, and wherever I am, there will my servant be also. So he's talking about us, where's his servants, that's what he's talking about here. Wherever Jesus is, or wherever, wherever I am, then Jesus will be there too. If I live this way. Okay, so I had this little uh, story. I got most of this online. I kind of pieced it together. This is just a uh, called the seed story. Yeah. Give it a second. Yeah. All right. So this is more explaining that last scripture we just read in uh, John twelve twenty four says, uh, but what are the seed? Can you dig up a plant and find the seed down at its bottom with the plant bits growing out of it? It's inside. Can you do that? Yeah, you plant a seed, and if you could actually see it and it's growing, would you still see like a humongous tree and just like the little seed? Would you say that? No. Sometimes you do. That, like when it's fully grown? No, not when it's fully grown, but when it's little. When it's little, but what happens to that shell? It disappears. Goes into the ground, right? Um, it's like, no. It's essentially, it's essentially died to itself, right? It ceases to be a seed anymore. In order that the plant would live. So it's not one thing, it's another thing. Right? Um, uh, it can no longer find its identity in that of its old self, a seed. Yeah? And in this way, it has died. It has ceased to exist as its original self. So I think of it yourself, like we're seeds, right? So it's become something far different. It lives a new kind of life uh, from the potential of life that it contained within the seed comes a new life capable of producing fruit. Okay? Seed can never do that. Where a seed cannot produce fruit, its plant form can. It can't do this on its own, though it needs to be planted, nurtured, and nourished. Some seeds, though, do not die to themselves. Uh, perhaps they're rotten or, or lacking some uh, necessary element, be that internal or external, such as fertilizer or soil or sun, 
or they just don't take a proper hold of the ground. These seeds do not grow into anything other than themselves, and they are eventually forgotten, lost in the dirt, or thrown into the fire to be burned. This is seen both in the process of any unbeliever becoming a believer, as well as a Christian who is raised to life in Christ in the resurrection of the dead. So I kind of put that together to like more explain that seed dying thing. So when a seed dies, it's no longer a seed. It's a plant. It's something totally different. If, you, if I held a seed and I, and I seen a humongous tree, are these the same things? No, they're not. They're totally, completely different. This does nothing but focus on itself. It produces nothing by itself. But if it gives up its identity and who it is, it becomes this tree. It can produce fruit, and that fruit can produce seeds and produce more trees, and it can keep going. And it also talks about in there, like some seeds don't, they don't die to themselves, and they never produce fruit, even though they have all that potential in there to grow forests full of trees and full of seeds and all that stuff. And that's everyone who doesn't know Jesus yet. So when we see people walking in, in, in sin and just loving sin and doing that, like they have this potential inside of them to grow and to be amazing sons and daughters of God, to produce so much fruit for, for God and love people, but they haven't died. They haven't died to themselves. And that's actually, it's sad, but a lot of Christians are kind of still at that point. They believe in God, they make a confession of God, and then they, they don't continue on conforming wholly to Jesus' example. They take one thing, and they're like, they're dying slowly. They're like killing themselves slowly, you know? That selfish person. They're like, oh, I'm going to stop swearing, okay? That's one thing. Oh, I'm going to stop uh, uh, taking advantage of guys or girls, you know? Just one little thing after another, and just like cutting off the arm. And if you want to kill me, just shoot me in the head, right? Get it over <laughs> with. Like, just like that. Get it all over with right away. You don't want to suffer. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They make themselves suffer because they're not wholly going the way that Jesus, Jesus wants. Like, not completely. They're just doing pieces at a time. I don't want to give you all of me, God. Just parts of it. Okay. There's, I heard this story this weekend too. I uh, listened to this this guy Todd White. He was sharing this story. Uh, he was saying that uh, this guy he had this had this big house. Uh, he just made up the story. And uh, he had a knock at the door, and he opens the door, and it's the devil. And he comes in his house and just beats him, just beats him up like crazy. Beats him up. And he's there like all day and all night just getting beat like almost to death. And then the devil leaves. And he gets another knock on the door. And it's a different knock. So you realize it's not the devil coming back. And he opens the door and Jesus is there. And he's like, oh, I've heard about you. Like, oh, come inside, come inside. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Jesus is here now. He, He can protect me if the devil comes back. And... And he's like, oh, Jesus, you can, you can have that room over there. 
Just go, go stay in that room over there. He's like, Jesus is like, thank you. And he goes into his room. And he gets a knock on the door again. And he's like, that's a familiar knock. It's the devil again, but he's like a little more confident now. Jesus is in the house. Oh, so yeah, he's going to help me. He opens up, and the devil comes in again and just beats the tar out of him. Just beats him up for hours and hours. And Jesus is just in his room. And then the devil leaves again. And Jesus comes out, and he's like, where were you? Don't you care? The devil was here. He's just beating me up like crazy. And Jesus is like, I was in my room. And then he's like, he's like, oh man, like, um, Jesus, you, you can have, you can have the whole upstairs. Okay. Just have the whole upstairs so you can have more of the rooms. Okay. Just all the rooms. There's nine rooms up there. You can have those all. He's like, okay, thank you. Sweet. So he goes up into his rooms and he gets another knock on the door and he's like, oh, still hesitant. He's like, okay, that's the devil again. He's like, but Jesus, he's got more now. So making him happy. And he opens the door, devil comes in and almost kills him. Like, beats him so much. And he's screaming, Jesus, oh my Jesus. And the devil leaves again. And Jesus comes back in. It's like, where were you? I thought if I gave you all this, then, then you would help me. He's like, I was, I was upstairs where you told me to go. That's, that's where I was. And he's like, okay, okay. You can have... Uh, you can have the, the whole house, but I, I need this room here. I'll put all my, all my junk and stuff in this closet, and I'll live in this closet. Okay, you can, I'll, just, I'll just stay here, and then you can have that. He's like, okay, thank you. And then he gets a knock on his closet, and the devil's there. And comes in and beats him again. He's almost dead, like he's getting beat forever. And he leaves again, and Jesus opens the door, like, hey, what's going on? I, I'm almost done with you. I thought if I brought you in my house and I gave you everything that I had, then, then you would help me when the devil attacks me. And Jesus said, this isn't my house. This is your house. And he's like, okay, Jesus, I give you the deed. It's your, your house. You can have it all. You can have everything. And then he gets a knock at the door and Jesus is like, holds him back. This is my house, I'll take care of this. Opens the door and the devil's like, <laughs> looks at the number of the house and looks aside again. It's like, it's the number of the house. He's like, oh, I, I must have the wrong house. Sorry, bye. <laughs> and he left. This is a story of a Christian who gives God pieces of his life, complains to God, it's God's fault that the devil's at me. It's your fault, God. Don't you care that this is all happening to me? And Jesus is like, I'm exactly where you put me. I'm mm -hmm. up to the boundary of where you put me. You did this. You chose not to let me in. Even in the end, he thought he was giving it all. He's like, I, I need to sweep up all my bad stuff, put it in this closet, because you don't want to see that. It's ugly. You know, Jesus, you don't want to see that. You're holy, you're God. You don't want to see that bad stuff. And once he gave him that last room with all the bad stuff and everything, then Jesus don't look at that. He's like, this is my house now. 
Jesus is, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're, our bodies where God lives now. It's no longer a big temple that we have to go to and we can't even go to. Only the priest can go once a year. That's not God's heart. Never was his heart. He wanted to live in us. Mm. Right? So that story is about someone who hasn't died to themselves. They've died slowly. That guy got beat to death. Almost to death. <coughs> All the time. Had complaints, grumbling, complaining, wanted his own way, wanted to just sweep all the bad stuff away so God doesn't see, as if God didn't see, right? Mm. Like, I have to be perfect, and then I'll come to you, God. Then I'll do everything right. But that's not the way it worked. And then when he finally... So so much, too, uh, I learned through this last year. You got to choose to do. Mm. You don't choose nothing happened that mm-hmm. anything in life oh, yeah. yeah if you don't sure. choose you ain't going over that's that you have to make the choice that's for work that's for yeah follow Jesus everything yeah if you don't choose like when you we, get we've been given the choice <clears throat> we can choose yeah when you get saved the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and you're different that conscience that we all have, even when we're not saved, we have a conscience, right? Even people generally who don't know God, like, know what is right and what is wrong, right? You know, to murder someone, oh, I would never do that. That's really bad, right? But when you have the Holy Spirit, you actually have the power not to do that. And not just that, like the seemingly little things. You have the power not to lie anymore, not to hate anymore, not to grumble and complain anymore. Not to sin anymore totally. Right? Um, I want to read uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 35. It says, And Jesus called to him. uh, Hold on a second. Yeah, Mark. Just wait. Mark 8, 34, 35. 8, 34, 34. I'm going to read in the Amplified again. It says, And Jesus called to him the throng with his disciples and said to them, If anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself. Doesn't these scriptures all sound exactly the same? Forget, ignore, and disown, and lose sight of himself in his own interests. Take up his cross and joining me as a disciple and siding with my party. Follow, follow with me continually cleaving steadfastly to me. For whoever wants to save his higher spiritual life will lose it. The lower natural temporal life which is lived only on earth. And whoever gives up his life which is lived only on earth for my sake and the gospels will save it his higher spiritual life in the eternal kingdom of God. Don't these scriptures sound exactly the same? Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus repeating himself over and over and over and over again. Like he's trying to make a point. Right? <laughs> if you don't die, you don't live. You won't actually live. You'll just be a dead person, a zombie walking around, complaining and never being your real self. 
Um, I'm going to read uh, Romans 6, 1 to 6. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. I just go through a lot. I probably go through like five different translations just to get like the, I don't know, to, to more like better, more better. I don't know what to say. And more in-depth understanding. Yeah, more in-depth <laughs> understanding, you know? Yeah, it's more better. Okay. Uh, so Romans 6, 1 to 6, I'll read. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Isn't that crazy? We were baptized into his death. When we died, when Raymond went in that water, he died. He's dead. <laughs> that old selfish dude, he's dead. He's totally dead. Uh, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, they the <coughs> from from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in new, newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Isn't that cool? Mm. That old dead person is the one who's a slave to sin, just had to do it. He was chained up in prison, couldn't help it, forced to sin, you had to do it. You're a slave to it. There's no way that you could get out unless you're dead. If you die, then you get a new life. On, on Sunday when we had a family gathering, you know, people started talking a little bit about Jesus. And Uncle Herman, he, he thought he was going to shut me up, but he couldn't. <laughs> he told me that was, nobody could know how you could get there. I said, oh yeah, I can. I said, I know. Mm. He said, nope, nobody. He said, that's really bad for those people. He knows one verse he heard one time. <laughs> if you say you will be in the one that says you won't, or he won't be, it will be just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And and he he tried it three times. He said nobody knows. Like he was not just saying him. He was telling us they're all nobody. Can. I said I can't. And then he said it again, and I just figured nope. He didn't shot me because God would <laughs> wow. say it so. Pete even asked, do you believe in the Bible? He said, yeah. Yeah, well, he doesn't. But obviously he doesn't never read it. He didn't know what it says. But three times in a row, and I just figured, no, you can't say that nobody knows, because I do know. Because I thought, if I let him get away with that, oh, no, and he always said things, no, I believe that too, what he said. And but you, you think of that too, like, we're talking about, like, he's a seed. Yes. That hasn't died to himself yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. He has that potential in him, <coughs> all that stuff. Yes. But he was just like me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I made a, a belief system in my life through one verse that says, 
in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, <coughs> says that I, my heart is evil and deceitful above all things. How evil is it? No one knows how evil my heart is. That's what the Bible says. And I asked about that scripture a bunch of people, and no one could explain it to me, so I eventually just believed it. This is God's word. I have an evil heart. I'm evil to the core and the inside, and I just got to try to be good. And that's how I live. And you couldn't tell me any different, because that's God's word, and I believe God's word 100%. That's what people believe. He believes God's word. That's God's word. You can't convince him otherwise, because he hasn't kept reading. That's all. You just keep reading, and God says, I've given you a new heart now. No but longer I just heart had, is stone. I had a feeling like I would let him say the last word because then he would tell me again, oh, no, I can't know either. He says nobody could know. Mm-hmm. It'd be good in those circumstances to ask him, could you show me where that is? Oh, I, I would love to learn. I, I asked him, do you know where it says that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Well, then it would be good to show him where... Where you know where it is. That'd be very good. Did he? Didn't he? I thought I heard that he said, it says there and there. Yeah. Yes, he did. And I feel to cover. Like that's a good thing. Those are seeds that are planted in him now. He could be thinking about that. Yeah. That's all that has to happen. It's kind of like. Was that actually true, what he said? Well, what, what I would like to do to him um, in the catechism that says the one uh, question there, that's right clear there. If I could tell him then and talk to each other, but he wouldn't probably not even get that. But. Probably not, because actually this is there. I think it's just a comparison. You know, we have an amygdalite and show. Yeah. We live in the city, my garden, but we just can come over mine. Yeah. Neither did I. Until, all until, Testament, right? until I uh, became a new believer. That's when I actually realized that whole thing that's just Bible verses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm going to read this verse. It's It'll it's in the Amplified again. So Amplified Bible, just to give a little I don't know, a little study about that, is is basically the King James or New King James Bible. And it has two type of brackets in it. It's got like square brackets and then round brackets. And I forget which one it is, but the one brackets is like Hebrew meanings to the word. Okay? And the other one is Greek meanings to the word or, or something like that. So it's just amplifies it. You know, like how some words in German, in English, you have to say a sentence to explain it or vice versa, right? It's the same thing, right? The Bible was not written in English. So English is actually a pretty weak language when it comes to translations. So this amplified is that. It's very amplified. It's a lot longer, all right? So I'm just going to read this out. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Um, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. You got it? Oh, I'm just getting ahead of myself, sorry. All first what? Verse 1. 
Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and devoted, consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service in spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, or fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So if you're dying to yourself, and if you conform yourself to God, not to the world, and change your mind entirely from that old selfish thinking, that old selfish life, and believe what God says in the word, then what does it say in that last verse? Does someone else want to read that? Two? Yeah, verse two. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, when, which is good and pleasant and perfect, pleasing and perfect. So you can know God's will. Yeah, that's great. You will know what God wants to do. And the Amplifier says, uh, uh, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you, specifically. If we live this way, if we don't live selfish in that old selfish life, if we live our life in the spirit, walk in the spirit, we can know what God wants for us. Yeah. We can know his will for his, our life. Because it's very simple. It's very easy. It's pretty much the same for everyone. Walk in love. Love people totally, selfishly, even if you have to die for it. I was reading, I forget where it was. This week I was talking about like suing people in the Bible. It's like, Paul is saying, it's, this is like, this is ridiculous that I'm hearing that you're suing other Christians. You're going to a non-Christian court and getting other people to decide who don't even are godless and hate God and like that's a that's a bad to hear just that that's happening let alone what, what you're actually suing for it's like we should we should see that and, and do that uh, judge within ourselves what is good and, and what, is, what is evil and he said even if you have to just take the wrong just take it someone wants to sue you just give it to them he's like why not be mistreated instead of like disowning who you actually are you know Jesus gave up his life he was mistreated all the time he was perfect in every single way True. he didn't even speak when they asked him like when they had charges against him he didn't even talk he didn't even defend himself it doesn't matter I'm here for one purpose to glorify God to run his specific course was to die for the world. And we're supposed to be just like him.
we all have this privilege to live that life like that. Or we can just pick up our old self again every once in a while and just complain and just have it my way and self-preservation and keep my name and my good name and whatever. We can do that too if we want. But then you're not dying that day or in that moment. And you don't have your life the best that it could be. And God's not with you in that situation. You're, with, you're by yourself. You're that seed all by itself. Even though you're not that seed, you're acting like it. You know? God's best. Like God is with you. We read before, like, if you live that way, God is with you. God is with you if you live this way. And he is. And he gives you totally peace. Mm. Yeah. Let's just say, like, somebody does you wrong instead of uh, trying to prove yourself um, not guilty, just letting them have it. Yeah. It, you get totally peace. Yeah. got like 50 other scriptures that say the same thing but <laughs> uh, I want to go through uh, if we can turn to 2nd Timothy verse 4 and 5 or chapter 4 verse 5 <coughs> does someone someone want to read that 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like the the second uh, uh, second verse, or in the first verse, says, uh, "Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord." So why would you be afraid of suffering? Because it stinks. <laughs> it doesn't feel good, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't feel good. It says. <laughs> but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has for you. So that's what I see in this. It says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord and then you will fully carry out the ministry God has for you. If you don't care of, of, of any kind of suffering, whatever it is, persecution or you know like someone making fun of you or someone hurting you physically or whatever you know for the gospel then you're becoming more and more like Jesus you're becoming more and more his disciple that's really awesome and then uh, <clears throat> uh, I'll just read this quick Romans 15 verse 18 to 19 says, Yet I dare not to boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit 
in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. So Paul is saying, I have fully presented the good news of Christ through signs and wonders and miracles. And before he's talking about don't be afraid of suffering. And you can fully carry out the ministry. So Paul is not afraid of suffering. If you read, Paul talks about, he's boasting about all his sufferings he had for Jesus. He's been shipwrecked twice. He's been, he's been beaten with clubs. He's been uh, stoned. stoned a few times. He's been uh, whipped. The, how many times? I forget. 40. 40 lashes minus one. Like more than once. He's been shipwrecked. All this stuff for the for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Right? He said, I have fully presented the good news. This is how you do it. I'm suffering. From dying to your selfishness in your way. Being persecuted. Having all that bad stuff happen to you. And he, I guarantee you, Paul's not saying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you letting this happen? I know you didn't do this, God, but you let it happen. He's not talking like that. When he got beat in prison, they were rejoicing and singing songs. Thank you, God, that we're worthy to be, to be beaten and punished for your sake. We're becoming just like you, like you told us to be. Jesus said that if you follow me, you will have persecution. If you actually walk the way that he walks, you will have persecution. That's the promise. If you have no persecution in your life, just look at that scripture. And walk more like Jesus. In uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life and Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I'm just going to read a handful of scriptures quite quickly. There's <laughs> just so many. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen to seventeen says, "All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare." and to equip his people to do every good work. And Hebrews 2.10 says, God, for whom, the, <clears throat> for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. In James 1, 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. It's like the opposite when way trouble, you want to live, when right? Come. When troubles come. Does he say, but sometimes it's okay to just complain and tell everybody about it. It's the total opposite of self self-preservation like preserve me make enough money for my retirement make sure I'm safe make sure I got a good job make sure I'm all good taking care of my family give them an inheritance you know I'm looking up for them he's talking about not looking out for you 
do what you can to do those things. But if the if there's a choice that you have to make, that you have to give that up, give it up. Yeah. Uh, it's one more in uh, Romans 5, verse 3 to 4. It's in the Amplified. It says, Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. It's like this joy he's talking about comes through suffering. (laughs) Right? It's not just going to church and hearing a nice sermon and you feel all goosebumps. Like, that's all good. But that last part there, and character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope and eternal salvation. That's Romans 5, 3 to 4. It's the Amplified Classic Version. I'm just going to read it again. That was just so good. Packed. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. So verse before it said, Troubles of all kind come your way. Consider it opportunity for great joy. Now it says, Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Mm -hmm. And endurance and fortitude develops maturity of character. That's a good one. Approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope and eternal salvation. So it strengthens your character, makes you mature in Christ. You're no longer a baby in Christ. You're no longer a teenager in Christ. You're mature. You know. I forget what the scripture is. It says, if you have... If you've had suffering for the Lord, you're done with sin. Because you no longer want your own way. If you choose to take that suffering, you are no longer living for yourself. That's a guarantee. Like, you know it. If you're willing to be treated wrong, even though you're right, man, you're walking the right way. That produces your character, your integrity, shows people who you are. You actually believe God because you walk like Him. And you're looking like Jesus and you're suffering. And the people who don't understand, they're like, oh man, what, you got hidden sin or something? Or what did you do wrong? Just like Job's friends. What's wrong with you complaining for chapters and chapters of how he's a bad guy? And he's like, I'm not a bad guy. Like, God, what are you doing? And then God says in the end, he's like, did you create the stars? Did you do this? Do you know who I am? And God never answers his question. So, yeah, and and God and Job was right. Job was right. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. God says that he was righteous. But Job also at the so at the end of his life he was a content person. Whatever happens, good or bad, God is good. 
his character and everything stayed the same through the whole thing. Even his wife said, curse God already and get it over with. Like, that's some pressure, man. <laughs> that's crazy. But uh, just to finish it off, I don't know if this, I don't know why I felt to share this story. I don't know if it's out of context what we're talking about or not, but I was uh, listening to another story of this guy, David Hogan. And he was talking about this uh, lady. She had a, she had a baby. It was boy or girl, but um, this baby was born with no bones in her legs. Didn't have any, like, they're just, like, jelly. She couldn't walk on them. She was in a wheelchair the whole time, or crutches, whatever it was. And this lady, they came and prayed for prayed for this girl and nothing happened right away and years went by years went by and he was at this David Hogan was at this uh, uh, someplace and and he seen this lady and seen this girl and she was walking on both her legs it's like whoa this is amazing and he went up to this lady and and he didn't know who they were right away because it was years later and this lady started telling the story he's like I prayed every single day for four years. And on the fourth year, one of the legs grew bones and she could walk. Four years of praying. Two more years of praying and the other leg grew. And we're complaining <laughs> and, and wondering what's wrong, God, if we pray for three seconds and nothing happens. Yeah. This is, uh, this story convicted me like crazy. Like our faith, faith is forever. Faith continues mm -hmm. all the time. This lady is like, no, no. Caesar's like, no, that's not what God wants. God promises healing in the Bible. Six years of praying, four years with nothing, mm -hmm. and then one leg grew. Isn't that crazy? Two more years, six years total, and her daughter's got new legs. Like, but that was just, that just challenged me so much in my, in my life. Like, what is faith? That lady has faith. She has faith because it never stopped. Mm. Doesn't matter. You know, like I know, like I've prayed for a lot of people and seen them healed and seen them healed instantly. But those people I would probably have never seen again, you know. And I don't know why or, or how it works that, that way. People you see more often, you pray for them. It doesn't usually happen right away. Well, has not usually. Sometimes it does. The perseverance, the walking and your character and showing your maturity and in your faith and knowing mm -hmm. what God says, like. Faith continues forever. And like, I don't know, that doesn't, I don't feel like it has anything to do with what I was talking about, but <laughs> I thought it was just a good challenge at the, at the end there to continue in faith. And remember what we're talking about is you have to die to live. We're this little seed that has all this potential. But if we don't die, if we continue to walk in selfishness and live the way we want, 
don't be surprised when you have a bunch of questions and no answers. Right? If you're killing yourself slowly and just like that story about that guy with all the rooms. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, I'm exactly where you put me. I can't force myself into your heart. Mm-hmm. I won't do that. He, he loves us too much. He gives us the choice. Everybody has the choice. Imagine if I forced Steph to marry me. How would she love me? Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but if I force you to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how's it even possible, right? <laughs> but what do people do that all the time? Different countries. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 I guess in India they do that. But like, that's not love. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm forcing you to do something. God doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us a choice to follow Him and love Him and do. He gives us all the answers. All the answers to all of our questions are in the Bible. Sometimes we just read one verse and don't understand and put it away and whatever. Which is nuts to me. But I know that's what I did too. But I'm learning. You just keep reading and you find the answer. (laughs) And this is great too to come together and hear other people's viewpoints and ask what we're thinking and struggling with or whatever and very good so that's how you can learn yeah, yeah. forget to you 